0: Welcome to Expanding Reality. I am your host, Brandon Thomas. On this episode, Greg Sullivan comes by. He is the director of J-SETI, which is the Japanese C-SETI program that he actually founded in 2010. He is a researcher, an author, an experiencer, a musician, and an all-around amazing guy. This episode, we talk hollow earth, uh, mass contact, UFOs, spirituality, uh, the nine-tailed spirit fox, suicide forest, uh, Japan's hidden esoteric history, so many cool things that you guys. Are absolutely going to love this conversation. So, before we get to that, uh, check the show notes as well for our affiliate links. So, Food Forest Abundance, get your freedom from fear on. Also, if you'd like to start your own podcast, Libsyn, that link will give you two months for free. Also, if you are going to buy anything at all on Amazon, feed that beast through our affiliate link. It helps the show, right? For something you're going to do anyway, ideally. Also down there is going to be the Resource Link Opus, which is the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support, a great resource. So you guys definitely check that out as well. Now, if you'd like to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's where links to all the socials are. If you want to support the show, we have an expansive insider type of a deal going on over there that you guys can check out. We also have all the way to too hot for youtube stuff going on over there so uh check those out lives are replayed for free episodes are out earlier over there uh damn near 99.9 of that thing is absolutely free so you guys just go check it out and sign up uh okay well let's get to this incredible conversation you guys are absolutely gonna love him let's bring him to it greg sullivan Ladies and gentlemen, welcoming to the show. We have Greg Sullivan hanging out with this. Now, you are the director of Jay City. I cannot wait to talk to you. You are a Ma hookup, and I love this planet because of the way this stuff works. You are so cool. So uh, I can't wait again to get into this with you. I'm grateful we connected, brother. So uh, Greg, if you don't mind, just for my audience, you have an incredible resume. Just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, brother.
1: Thanks, Brandon. Great to meet you. Uh, it's always a pleasure uh, to connect with, uh, fellow Americans here. I, 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 uh, I live full-time in Japan and, and, uh, I'm a hundred percent, 110%, you know, involved with my work and speaking Japanese every day. So it's, uh, it's so exciting to, to be sharing the, the our stories and our, uh, connections, you know, abroad, overseas like this. Uh, and what a great show you've got a great, uh, you know, I love the, uh, the, censorship, uh, uh aversion and, and the, all the other alternative alternative, uh, you
0: know, places you've, Maybe for uh, good content to be shared. Thank you. Grateful, brother. Thank you for your kind words, man. Uh, Just before we move on, uh, is there a way to say expanding reality in Japanese?
1: Good question. Uh, yeah. Kakodai genjutsu. Yeah. Kakodai shitu
0: Easily one of the coolest <laughs> damn things. How phonetically pleasing is that? All right, cool.
1: I'm going to cut that uh, into I'll something the, later. Uh, I'll send you the Yeah, I'll send you the, you know, the um, alphabetical translation of that. Yeah.
0: Beautiful, man. Well, I'm <clears throat> grateful. Thank you again. Um, no problem. Okay, please. please uh, so what, what got you over to Japan in the first place?
1: yeah I, i'm originally well, just like you uh, originally a music student and musician and sound engineer and my journey began um you know i was uh planning uh to, to live abroad and study abroad since uh high school i originally um studied in france uh in northern france a little bit in uh college and then uh you know sites turned to further places so uh japan was definitely on the radar as far as uh, being able to live and work here i wanted more of a sustainable experience not just not just travel or anything so uh my first destination became new zealand so i was there for about a half a year and um ended up uh working on my first album there and then just naturally with some uh, amazing connections i made there i, I transitioned into uh going to japan and when i just never left you know my, my friend my good friend from elementary school was there for a year and we both climbed Mount Fuji together as him and his current wife were leaving. And so uh, it all just blossomed from there. So um, I know it's a, a place I didn't have a lot of um, connections to in, in the early part of this life. But I know that a lot of people have come in and I've confirmed big time now that I, I had a, a lot of class life connections here. And, and this whole journey has been uh, really directed on the soul level for sure. God, this is interesting.
0: Okay, so now we have to know, you know, what uh, what was your immediate past life in Japan before the one you've got now?
1: Well, that's the funny thing. Uh, it was um, regarding a sam. Um, when I, I'm more into the ninjas, actually. You know, I was a Nintendo awesome. child, uh, maybe as you were in the very first years of Nintendo. Uh, but uh, the samurai um, uh, warriors, they protected the, the uh, kings um, and the local feudal leaders, as you might know. And um, so the... Uh, There's a famous, there's several famous battles in Japanese history. And one of the most famous was, uh, an incident, um, where the, uh, um, two, two fighters, uh, met on a, um, deserted island that was not far from the shores of, uh, Western Japan. So that's really the area I first uh, landed actually. And, um, Long story short is I had a couple psychics or people telling me, you know, I, when I look at you, I see the, the um, chomnage, which is the long hair and braid. And, and they're telling me, why am I hearing the word Ganyu Jima, this island, Ganyu Island? And then uh, they ended up the day I went there. Uh, it was the 400th anniversary of the battle to that day. And Damn. so anyway, it turned out that I was the guy who got um, uh, um, kind of uh, I lost the battle. Uh, and, and there but there are a few um um kind of hidden uh theories about that where um it was actually not one-on-one it was actually like 25 to one uh, so i was one of the strongest fighters or, or samurai in Japanese history there apparently and so um and anyway yeah so that sort of anchored my soul to that area and and um kind of uh the message i got in the few after that two years later was that uh because i had this sort of um uh, untimely death or, or sort of like a, uh, a death by conspiracy. If you might say it was a trap, you know, um, uh, that, um, I, I've been given like, uh, I had a seat here sort of, you know, to do this spiritual work here in this life.
0: So cool, man. I love this. I knew I was going to like you. This just keeps getting better. <laughs> uh, so, um, so from Ninja then, did you ever, So let me ask you this. How far have you how long have you been investigating high strangeness phenomena been interested in this stuff since how long in your life in this life?
1: Oh, definitely a long time. You know, it's, a uh, you know, ever since uh, I was a young child interested in, in these kind of things. And uh, I had a couple amazing kickoff incidents uh, via two books. One of them was, uh, written by someone in my dad's office in, in uh, New York and, and it was uh, an unpublished work at the time. He actually, I think is, uh, in Texas doing, um, he does paranormal research, uh, a guy called Ken, Hud- Ken Hudnall and he wrote this amazing book called the occult connection. It was, I think pretty ahead of its time. Um, And um, and he's, um, um, you know, uh, my dad was not interested, of course, so he passed it right off to me. And it was sort of like a a template for everything. It had, you know, Project Grudge and all the Area 51 stuff or the early kind of information about the military and the grays and abductions and all that stuff. And it was sort of like spooky and super interesting at the same time. And then, you know, he even got into, um, you know, all the stuff that we hear about now with the deep state and, and all the. Anything and everything from entertainment to, you know, um, secret societies, ancient histories, it was a a whole, you know, ran the gamut uh, of all the subgenres that that kind of tie in together. So uh, that was one um, part of it. And then uh, I actually went as far as contacting, they had a couple of numbers in there for the uh, abductee groups um, who ended up, I knew, now know, were probably my lab victims because they were right near the White Sands Missile Test Range in New, in New Mexico. And so uh, I ended up calling one of the numbers in the book and then they got back to me. And that's when my parents sort of stepped in and said, <laughs> no, we we, we didn't, didn't mean to have this book to go that far. Please stop. You know, How, how so old I, were you again? I was in like probably freshman in high school, maybe like yeah, late junior high, Yeah, like 16, yeah, 15, 14, 15. So I had a really interesting, and at the time I was, uh, you know, we were reading um, Tom Clancy, you know, uh, Red October and then all those Patriot games and all those huge books. We were avid readers, my friends and I as children. So um, I had that sort of disclosure uh, background uh, for a long, long time. And then uh, what solidified it next was in um, um, a couple years later, meeting, uh, discovering the amazing classic by William Brownlee called the gods of Eden. I don't know if you're aware of that that's a, that's like a um a huge one. So that that was like just like jaw dropping, and it really kind of grounded in a lot of the 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 topics. Uh, um, you know, put, put roots to a lot of the ideas that were put uh, put forth in the occult connection there. Yeah, so that's the early one. That was really my start from a um information and research level.
0: It's amazing. Yeah. And you kind of went the way I did with it with like your Jordan Maxwell's and William Cooper's and stuff like that, you know, where you find out some really cool stuff. Plus, you're doing UFO things. And it's it's all amazing. Like you said, super fun and interesting. Uh, So whenever you were interested in the spiritual stuff and this esoteric, uh, these esoteric concepts back in the U.S. before you moved to Japan. Did you ever have any inkling of like a calling toward Japan or any sort of past life, um, either psychic or remembrance or recall or anything like that while in the States at all? Like hindsight, you know, kind of looking back?
1: yeah yeah good question good question um i did have one thing which was what they call the um you know the really the sound of the language and and, and people are surprised like i didn't study at all uh, how did you pick up that's uh, a lot of things uh, a lot of people bring in uh skills and and uh you know skills and gifts from past lives and mine um 100 mine is uh the language the language of japanese you know I, I had no study at all so i picked it up you know i have a strong listening ear uh, from being a sound engineer and so um the sound of it really that 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 um the resonance and and the tone of it I, it sounds so cool it sounded so cool to me and, and that was in there again the same same pe- time period um junior high school early high school where uh, uh a local um independent movie, movie theater was bringing in a lot of japanese anime films and um my friend a good friend of mine the friend who actually lived in japan for a year his him and his older brother were uh, uh lending me a lot of um uh crazy anime videos on vhs too so just hearing the the sound of japanese at that time was my my first to kind of portal to it um, but otherwise I had absolutely no connection at all and and um it was it was just a really really organic uh process to to meet um, a couple of Japanese people from that area in New Zealand and then uh, I figured hey well, well well they're going home and my friend's there so it's you know uh I I, I caught my time
0: short in in, uh, in NZ and, and went up to Japan it's amazing it's serendipitous of course I mean this yeah. is just so cool again hindsight right looking back so uh, th- you're also an experiencer do you mind telling us a little bit about that
1: sure yeah you know at the time uh, again it's uh, the experiences start you know uh, they involved I guess you could say like uh, etheric contact or remote viewing incidents and dream contact all through the years um and uh, I, I kind of really always doubted my intuition um, and you know I think um, working as an artist helped help to really uh uh, increase my focus and and kind of and, and kind of prime up those size skills as well in in hindsight but um it all was really quite sudden um so in the end uh in 2007 my initial kind catalyst experience into the world of my actual uh experience was a visit to mount adams the east City ranch in uh washington so uh, we always love going there and and that was uh you know I hadn't. I had seen a couple of things before that, of course, but but um, with the UFO sightings and actual ships, they they move so fast um, that you don't really even realize what you're looking at. So uh, that was my first education in sort of sky watching and and uh, a really breakthrough experience. So after that, that really started a cascade of um, you know uh, paranormal uh, things and just kind of that that from that uh, from then on was it's been a content- continual flow
0: since 2007 it's amazing what is the most intense one that you've ever had
1: wow too well wow, too many to count you know i think the biggest thing now is that i'm a kind sort of a navigator a sort of an et contact guide you might call it so um seeing others uh really turn on is is, is one of the biggest pleasures and so um, you know, the phenomenon ranges the gamut. So it's it's not always. And the funny thing is, it's not always about how, you know, we own, we initially might think of how how strong it is, how bright it is, how loud it is, you know, the bigger, the better. Uh, and that's not always the case. You know, it's, it's such a personal experience that um, these other worldly beings and, and the interdimensional beings have an amazing way to to find what exactly what that person needs to to, uh, to push forward their spiritual development. So uh, yeah, seeing people have those realizations and breakthroughs right in front of you is,
0: is amazing. It's amazing. That's a great answer. Again, great dude. Uh, so tell me about the ranch.
1: Um, yeah, it's uh, quite well known. I mean, yeah, it's uh, uh, not far from the Mount Adams, which is a, a dormant volcano in uh, southern Washington, Washington. So I was there for a a wedding uh my my, my best friend uh, um and was getting married in portland all of our good friends from school were there and and uh and so um i spent about two weeks there and i just google maps had just uh, arrived on the scene so I, I typed in uh the word and 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 it turns out it was just a couple hours from my friend's house and so um in the end uh i and last day before going back to japan i went over there and uh just with a four or five hours you know i was there for uh, late afternoon, evening, and into the night, and then I went back to my friend's house uh, for a very early flight the next day. So yeah, it's uh it was uh, it's a it's a huge um field. They call it the field of gene- dreams, and um, uh, uh, thousands of people have come in and out of there and have their own experience with uh, this uh, amazing international dimensional phenomenon. The ground lights on the mountain, uh, which have been called the Yakima lights in the past, and have been researched uh, in that area, and also um you know all the of course all the ships in the sky. So it was quite an amazing time. Yeah, that's unbelievable.
0: Now you said that it's very personal, and I agree with you, and that's why I meant uh, profound, like the most profound experience you've had, your personal profound. Experience. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. It's a, yeah. I didn't phrase it properly. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, um, actually, let's see. Uh, you know, because of so thanks to. um you know the amazing thing about the uh East city ranch was that on first on first glance it's a uh, you know the ufo sky watching ranch but um uh actually at the same place they uh the owner james Gilland, he he shows a lot of um he he does an, a cool work his private session or his group work is called a tpr uh session and it's like a um a way to connect interdimensionally with the beings energetically so uh, I think one of the most you know over the years the um learning how to do that ourselves and uh, connecting with past uh loved ones and and kind of like working on family um issues together with uh loved ones who have crossed over has been just was amazing. Uh, one of them was um uh, in Japan, one of the places that's most um, sensitive to ancestors and elders is Okinawa, the islands of Okinawa, which is like the Hawaii of Japan. It's uh, between; it's uh, south of the main islands of Japan. Uh, you know, location of Karate Kid and uh, Karate Kid Two and whatever. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um, a lot of U.S. military presence, a lot of World War II history there, of course. But um, they're very. Uh, so I was there with a a, um, a young kind of shaman. Um, uh, she grew up in the tradition of, um, priestess women. Uh, and so we were, she's very close to my age, you know, mid forties. And so I stayed at her, um, we were filming a, a video together and, um, we, uh, we stayed at her uh, office and the first night I was there alone and I'm out, I'm looking out over the sacred Island, one of probably the number one sacred spot in all of Japan. It's, it's a small flat Island called Kudaka, um, not far from Okinawa, uh, and um and i'm looking at the island and i started to connect with my guides and whatnot and all of a sudden uh, i knew who was coming in was um, my cousin brian who passed away suddenly in la um so i was spent a lot of time with him before developing this project and what was so crazy is that he um i had a premonition or uh an incident where we were given um a, a musical song that his wife could, 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 then connect with him after he passed. But this was like, obviously none of us knew that was going to happen. So, um, in the short time we were together, uh, before I went, returned to Japan, um, uh, it was so strange. Cause he's looking at me like, why are you telling why are you sharing that that music with my wife and not me? You know? And he, it was sort of a strange moment. And then afterwards, years later, he suddenly passes and, and, um, and, and it was like a message from, you know, you can use this track to then connect with him. So he, he came in and reconfirmed that. And, and, uh, we, we confirmed the fact that he was now, a, um, uh, you know, a star being actually like a Syrian guide. And so, and then we went, we proceeded to do an enormous, um, clearing on the, the Sullivan family, um, which, you know, which had, a you know, whether that be, uh, you know, old, uh, old, old, old hurts and and
0: misconceptions and, you know, all the stuff that goes on in in a family. So, and, uh, you know, so that was pretty mind blowing. It's incredible. And I love the concept of ancestor healing based on now, and it's all quantum physics. And I love this. So I'm I'm grateful that you're into it as well. Yeah. We're just. It gets pretty deep, uh, really quickly. Yeah, getting beyond the dimensions. Yeah. Oh, it's so cool. And then you know, you, your mind—it's it, mind-blowing. Just think of this place. Just think of human bodies that you've had here, or even like a human and maybe like a giraffe or something in one life, and all the other ones were human, but they were all here. You were all very human. But then to kind of extrapolate that out to now your other beings' lives, because maybe now your Syrian uh, cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He now will have to clear his human life maybe in some Syrian life. Now that he's doing that, maybe he had a few things left over here. So you're like, ah, oh, I got this human stuff I got to still deal yep. with. That's exactly. That, it's amazing. It's mind blowing how deep this thing goes. So how do you keep it from being so convoluted? How do you keep it straight to where you're just like, yeah, that connects to this. And then that's how you do that. Have you been given clear guidance from this or is this just intuitive?
1: um yeah just it's experiential you know that when they come in they they, uh they bring in the next piece of the puzzle and and so uh we've also had people like literally who took part in our events you know and made contact in the field with us and then passed over and then they would reconnect uh, as spirit or um uh and then become an et guide or whatnot so it's a whole new it's a whole new breed of guides you might say uh i call it the newly ascended humans um yeah, so, the, uh, but then they, they always bring in a piece which uh, of their story and, and that helps us learn, like, oh, you know, once you go past this point, you can do this or, oh, or, or they needed to clear this before they did that or whatever, you know. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's quite a complex uh, um, phenomenon, yeah.
0: How clear of messaging can you get from your cousin? His name is Brian, right? Yeah. Okay. How clear of messaging?
1: Um, well, even when he came in, it was like, I was like, I just, he bought, he blew me over. I almost fell over. It was so strong. It just exploded into tears, you know, cause, and you know, I, it's, a, it was an instant recognition and, um, um, it was a traumatic passing he had. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's a whole other story, but, um, yeah, basically, um, um, yeah, it's, it's subtle impressions and it's, it's developing the ability to catch uh, hints and impressions that, so you, uh, you, it's a part of the side training, you might call it, is that you start to realize that you're always picking up, um, you know, information from the outside world. So you kind of learn how to split the two streams, and and you you make your uh, you learn how to make your own conscious stream kind of neutral and flat, and and put, bring that noise down and then bring the signal you know the signal to noise ratio we talk about in, in audio so they're bringing up the signal of the the guides and these other beings so once we're once we're strongly connected they have an open channel an open forum to share what they will and um you know it was, it was a natural um flow for us to to get into the clearing and um the things that they're they have access to as from from the ship or whatever so that's a, it's a powerful bringing in their technology and so it's a uh, it goes beyond a personal support like, um, you know, uh, so um, I think the they want to reach the most people uh, they can at, at one time. So it's so uh, it was the right timing. He was brought forward by other beings. And then, um, you know, here and there, they'll pop in uh, in life, you know, memorable life moments or. Or when there's something that and that only they can do or, or whatnot, but they're pretty busy uh, in their own right uh, out in the other you know dimensions. So um, it's not like they come in every day. Um, so yeah, but um, I'd say at the you know in a, when it when it comes to a family member like that, it's really clear. The signal is really clear, and and um, you know they're just so happy to reconnect and and they're, t- they're telling you I'm okay. Some of them have even gone into a second life, you know. So we'll, within the span of a month or so we've gone into and then it's like wait a minute is this the same person and it's like no i'm in my another i'm in a second life i'm I'm, a, i've gone from now male syrian to a female plane or something you know it's like oh my it's god a, yeah, i did yeah, think of so.
0: that because your guides would be transitioning as well while you're still alive like there'd be some overlap yeah. maybe damn. yeah yeah damn it's dude. pretty it's pretty, it's pretty intense yeah yeah. And then I guess it would just be like a recognition. So the reason I was asking is because I'm just kind of curious about if becoming going from human to Syrian um, star god, what what does that look like? Like, is that have to do with what you do here? Or is that just like, oh, man, I get off, I got off the human ride. And that was amazing. I'm gonna go ride the Syrian star god now. And then you go to that line. And then you ride <laughs> yeah. that next.
1: Well, I'm just getting. I'm getting a blast here. Uh, What I wanted to tell you was actually um, there was an episode. What he did tell me, um, I'm I'm remembering right now, is that he he gave me a phrase, um, which actually I was about to uh, a short while later. I was I went to visit his family uh, and I was in L.A. in the house and the the house had some pretty um, um, negative vibes, to be quite honest. It it was in uh, it was in Northridge where the earthquake was. And I ended up finding out there were some pretty wiggy beings and they would screw with me when I would stay there. And um, he actually predicted what happened. It was really crazy. Out of nowhere, we had um, a, a kind of an interference event um, with his daughter. His younger daughter and I were there alone in L.A. And um, just out of nowhere, we had a uh, uh, sort of a, a, I don't know, I don't know what would you would call it, but we, we both, um, she thought someone was breaking into the house. And we ended up having this whole like, bad trip scenario where we, we had to run out of the house and like uh, call the police and everything. And it, it, it ended up just being the dog clanking on a, on the hardwood floor, uh, clanking the um, cat food tin. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was like this, but it sounded like someone was really at the door. So yeah, that was like, um, yeah, then um, some of these uh, lower, lower level beings and, and sort of a, uh, um, the uh, person who lived there was actually a famous Hollywood screenwriter. So there was some of that wiggy Hollywood black magic stuff there. Um, And so anyway, like that's a whole other thread, but um, yeah, they kind of see my light. And when I would stay there, just have a series of bad dreams and, and um, you know, so anyway, he predicted that and it was like, you know, I I think he was trying to warn us, but um, unfortunately we didn't
0: yet. We didn't really get it until it had happened. That's wild, man. Um And, so yeah, like I said, I'm just. So, what are your thoughts on that? Then, what do you think happens after we die?
1: Oh um, well, yeah. I think. Uh, sorry to keep avoiding your questions. There, no, so, okay. uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think um, uh, definitely. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the more we, uh, you know, the more we have, uh, we're, the more we're open to this uh, ET reality. You know, it is such a. Um, it's it's going to be this new paradigm. So I think for for those who are open uh, spiritually. Um, uh, what we found is the ET guides um, really are involved with the ensoulment process and the reincarnation process and the soul review process. Um, uh, you know that that gets into some sticky territory there, but uh, I think it's a, a, definitely a free will thing. You know, the ultimate thing is we should have ultimate choice. So breaking beyond the breaking beyond the um, wheel of reincarnation what i'm talking about here is more of like a higher dimensional um you know it's choosing your next life path yeah more so than just a, a looping reincarnation thing so first off i think uh for human for earth humans um a lot of people are going to have options that they've never had before so that's one amazing thing um you know we could see uh going on and then um and then the other thing is the ability to have uh the ability to, to release a lot more burden um and kind of uh miasm they might call it and kind of um built up karma and in the ancestral line um because that's what tethers us down a lot of times so i think going going back to the uh, akashic field of the family and stuff is a is a huge piece um and then also a lot of people may choose to stick around um either reincarnate as another star seed or, or reincarnate as another being around the earth to can help with this press ongoing process. So, um, it's such an exciting place in space right now here, you know? So, um, but I think, uh, yeah, um, the old treadmill of, you know, um, coming
0: right back into your own, the own this sort of one real life path is over. So thank goodness. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that's recent or do you think that that's always been like that? the idea that you're stuck here is the trap. Well, they
1: talk about you know the whole um, you know negative astral soil recycling program and everything. I think so. That these breakthroughs are are recent, definitely. Yeah. So there's been a lot of uh, cleanup on the fourth dimensional astral level, and we we've had a lot of experience with that here in Japan because in Japan, you know, they the the uh, usable land space here is t- only twenty percent of the entire land space. You know, the, Japan is eighty percent mountainous. So what that translates is to uh, people recycling the same. Um, plots of land and, and 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 they do a ritual you know uh, a shinto ritual where they they clear the land before a new house is built or or whatnot but um sometimes that always doesn't do 100 percent of the trick so um 100 of the job so uh we're very aware of that um fourth dimensional spiritual sort of uh you know um, how do you call it you know entity possession or or uh, land uh problems with land you know hauntings and stuff here for sure
0: yeah uh, you know, and now that you mention it, just before I forget it, uh, any news from the nine-tailed fox? Did that just kind of fizzle out, or are you guys doing okay over there? What's that? The spirit of the nine-tailed fox, remember the rock that broke open? And then the nine-tailed fox came out. It was like a thousand-year-old rock that just broke in Japan.
1: Uh, no, I didn't hear about that. You did well, not? I, I, you better be on the lookout, dude. Nine, nine-tailed <laughs> oh, yeah. fox
0: spirit's running around. Yeah, there it was you this, go. this rock Ooh. that was protected by, uh, I believe, an emperor... I'm telling you something about Japan. I love this. I love. Yeah, this Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> and there's just like a rock that was there, and it was all memorialized and everything. It had like a little plaque, and allegedly the story goes that like this evil demon was trapped in there by an emperor, and then he would kill the next emperor that it whenever it opened or something like that. So it's trapped. It was trapped in the right, rock, right. but it just split open like this year. Amazing. Earlier. Yeah.
1: Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, there's a lot of issue, um stories about that with the um, you know the uh, beings being put into a trap or in, underground and stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's a, that's an issue here yeah interesting well it, the one the one we did have uh, um um was that uh, uh being a, a large boulder tumbled from a cliff in, in okinawa there and on an island we often have amazing contact on called Ishigaki so that's uh, they talk about the uh, the mythological spirits of the islands and and that was a huge sign for the local people um and really the energy did shift people our friends and our 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 collaborators who lived there really experienced a, a positive. Uh, shift once that happened too from the boulder rolling down yeah it, it was like a 20 ton boulder that fell off a cliff and and um it changed the shape of this it was the, the mountain itself was supposed, supposedly a, a woman related to a, a male being on a nearby island and they were mythologically uh, lovers and stuff and so um, she was able to go back to the place she belonged and uh, people interpreted that you know to mean
0: that I yeah, so. love that kind of stuff. This is the thing I <laughs> yeah. love about things like this. How cool is that? Even if it's not true, whatever. I mean, it's way cooler than just some rock fell off the thing. No, now her spirit's free. And now we're all better for it. That's yeah. awesome to me. Yeah, yeah, totally. So in my mind, though, too, this rocket, I don't think was that big. And if it if it had that dangerous spirit in it, I don't know what the deal is with relocation, but you take it and you drop it in the ocean somewhere. You know, you don't just leave it out in the open with a plaque. Not only that, people would come like to this thing and see it. So you're just asking for trouble in my mind. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they, that's a really good one. They call that the Tatari uh, Tatari uh,
1: spirits and they're uh, spirits of vengeance and spirits of revenge. And uh, it also ties into the post-war um, GHQ, MacArthur, uh, General MacArthur was here and there's a lot of uh, researchers who talk about the fact that um, Americans strategically moved um, the ley lines because the Shinto shrines uh, often create um, ley lines and grids. So uh, Americans uh, were aware of that, and then some researchers claim that you know um, important power sites were changed or altered or moved um, on purpose. You know to kind of c- kind of break down the energy grid here um, as as more of a uh, as more of a um, you know post war effort to. To, to change society here. So um, that, that's that been going on for a long, long time, though. That's not original to GHQ at all. So uh, they also call it this this. Uh, some people talk about the Fusui Wars, which is like uh, even presidents of large companies and architects in Japan um, have done that in Tokyo, where it's like, uh, first, the first thing is that governments build their sites on on power sites, you know, and, and uh, we've often been to many uh, amazing um, large castles and, and um, ancient government sites, which are just super energi- energized, energized and really, really uh, natural power sites on the, on, on the ley line grid. And then other people will start to they'll build something in the way of that to block that flow. So uh, the ancient people have always known about that. Um, um, one, one element of it is called Miyoji. and the city of Kyoto is built on a kind on a, of like a check, checker grid so um, that's been a part of the ancient um, Asian tradition here for centuries and millennia um, yeah so it's, that's some interesting right now I'm, and I just happen to be in, uh, in Ginza in, in Tokyo um, and the famous uh, Kabuki theater is right over here one block away from me and uh, a lot of people say that the energy of that changed when they built this huge building right behind it is a high rise it's the offices of the kabuki theater um and uh, they said that was like a no-no as far as the um feng shui you know the feng shui element yeah it's called fu sweet fu in japanese so uh so there's always uh people are quite aware of that here for sure that does it still mean wind and water yes yes yep. okay very cool yeah so very it's the exact same it's the exact same kanji characters yeah and what is it That's one ch- more time? chinese
0: what, what's that oh uh, one more time on the pronunciation uh fu sui fu sui sui awesome. yeah wind is fu uh, and then a uh, sui
1: is water yeah music yeah water you're full of all kinds of amazing
0: <laughs> information and if nothing else guys you could say that you learned something here so that's amazing yeah. i you know this is incredible so okay i want to ask you also about that suicide forest over there what do you know about that thing
1: Oh yeah. You know, a good friend of mine from uh, New York, uh, uh, was with vice news and he did the sound on me. Everyone should see the vice uh, video on on that one. Um, and he did the sound, my friend Keen, uh, he came over and did the sound work on that. Um, yeah, that's uh it's a, it was famous from, uh, um, the Aokigahara, I think it's called. It's the, it's on the Mount, slopes of Mount Fuji. Um, uh, I think, it, I believe it's on the um, Pacific ocean side. Um, you know, the Southern slopes are this huge, um, remote forest where, uh, It was uh, romanticized via a novel um, where uh, the the, one of the um, people in the novel went there and committed suicide, uh, and and so that became a a kind of social tradition here. And so the police there are very aware of you know um, deserted cars and um, the whole. The unfortunately, the suicide rates here have been quite high due to the lack of you know the increased amount of stress and overwork, the overworked Japanese population, and the and the uh, lack of, um, release, you know, places to express yourself or, 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 or be kind of be open and, and honest about how you're really feeling kind of thing. So, um, yeah, anyway, um, that's, uh, it's still an issue, but, um, I think with all the increased, uh, security and surveillance that, uh, <coughs> um, it, it's harder to go there and do that now, but, um, yeah, we, we haven't, it's, it's a, it, there's not really many hiking trails around there. Um, most, uh, the, the tour buses, to Mount Fuji go up to the fifth station, which is above the tree line. So you do go through that um, area, but um, not many people are roaming around there uh, on a day hike or anything. (laughs)
0: <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know if there was something um, mystical about it, you know, cause you hear about a lot of paranormal stuff going on there. And I mean, I guess with all that and I mean, really it's like a dense energy area. So it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario. Is it that way because people were drawn to it to commit suicide there? Or is it that dense and energetic and draws people there because people well, like a few people did it and then it just kind of became a domino effect?
1: Yeah, I think it's more of a domino effect. There's nothing. Uh, the area itself is, is actually quite high vibe and, and you know that's an interesting uh phenomenon because it's an interesting question because uh you know we've we've done our contact work uh, we do uh, contact retreats and we've done um it, it, it we've done it in every prefecture in japan right now uh, over the last 10 years so um you really get to know the difference between you know areas that have had like oh, ancient battles or um and what i found is that when you're near the volcanoes the volcanoes seem to have this um it's almost like a desert in a non-desert environment it's it's um uh, what we've found is that uh, a lot of ghosts and paranormal activities um, require uh, humidity. And that's part of the reason why there's a lot of ghost reports in England and also Japan here, because it's so humid and wet. So Texas, is, that's the opposite of Texas where you are. Well, um, Houston,
0: it sucks because it's like that uh, because it's super humid. But that makes so much sense because of the water vapor in the air. Does that have something yeah. to do with it? Because air, it has because something to do water, with it. Yeah, because water, of course, is spiritually. Yes. Dang Yeah, so. When the, the volcanoes
1: seem to have they're very dry they can, they're more a lot more they're a lot drier than other places uh, in the lowlands or near the on the coast. So um, what I found is that astrally um, volcanoes are normally uh, less abil- They're less um, their the ability to haunt them or the ability to for disincarnates to be uh, to stay there is, it's, it's harder for them to do, or it's just a, a naturally more difficult environment. Um, so yeah, I would say definitely that it was just so happened to be a social, that was a totally human thing. And, um, there are, uh, there are, there is a military, a Japanese, a Japanese defense army, uh, training base near there. And, and, uh, a lot of spiritualists have come over from abroad to work on the Mount Fuji area. And it's a huge power site. And I've been in, inside there in, in dream contact as well. I was in inside the volcano once or twice, uh, yeah and then um, a good a friend of mine um from Hopi Ruben he's uh a, um uh from the water tribe of uh Hopi um in the Second Mesa and uh, he comes over here once a year um and he showed me and he told me amazing story um where he and when he climbed up um the uh the goddess of Mount Fuji is uh, what's called Konosaki Hime and she's a, a, a female spirit and uh, she welcomed him and he actually was able to take a picture of the um of her kind of energy in, in this orb so he, he took a nap on the uh crater rim when they got to the top he, he kind of laid down and took a short cat nap and he went into a dream state like a trance state where he saw this beautiful um long-haired long black-haired uh princess in the kimono and everything And so um she the spirit of mount fuji welcomed him and uh t- for the work he was going to be doing in japan yeah
0: that's a cool thing to have on your resume yeah i, I like that yeah a lot, man. <laughs>
1: And then he woke up and took a picture of the crater and there was this like giant blue orb, and uh, right in front of the camera. So she appeared in, in an orb form too. Yeah.
0: <sighs> cool. Is that when you went in, in your dream state, what was inside the volcano?
1: I saw the giant, you know, the kind of black rock, um, uh, you know, magma rocks or the, uh, you know, the, um, just a huge open space. Uh, and I could see the slope cause it's a very beautiful, um, smooth slope to the entire mountain when you're climbing. So it was sort of like the external slopes, um, all inverted inside you know but uh, yeah i yeah
0: like the pitch on the inside of a
1: roof yeah yes
0: yes that's pretty cool yeah what was there like a city in there were there like beings and stuff hanging out willy mammoths no
1: i didn't have a lot of memory i didn't have a lot of memory but yeah just uh i remember just being in there and i was doing something so uh yeah that's as far as i got but that's awesome what do you think about the hollow earth uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think that's, uh, we've have, we've had, uh, experiences where, you know, a lot of the ships and, and we experienced in Japan are coming from inside the earth. So, um, they're definitely, you know, uh, from the very get go of my experience there at Mount Adams, you know, was seeing the ground lights and Mount Adams is a huge stargate and, and, uh, the ships coming in and out of the mountains. So that, that idea was, uh, um, I met that, you know, got familiar with that idea, uh, since 2007 or so. And then we had a ton of experience right from the get go with, uh, Lights coming out from the ocean, and and from inside of mountains and everything. So yeah, it's just a, that's a really big piece to it.
0: Man, that's cool. I love the Hollow Earth stuff, man. That's fascinating to me. So um, yeah. what about I uh, have you ever seen any UFOs around volcanoes? Because I know that there is a connection. Good buddy, Darcy Weir made a movie about it. it's an awesome documentary about volcanoes and UFOs. So I have to see you... that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's very cool. I think Amazon Prime. Yeah, very cool okay. and great, dude. Darcy's awesome. What's the title of that? Uh, UFOs and volcanoes. Okay, or the inverse enough. volcanoes okay. and UFOs. One of those two. To put those words in any order uh, and okay. Darcy Weir and it'll pop up. But there is this connection with UFOs and volcanoes. And a lot of times active ass volcanoes where they're spewing magma and lava and then a UFO pops out. And we know that that's that's not tremendously exciting for them because they can do any of that stuff. But it's still pretty cool. It kind of rules the heat test out, you know, visually. For Yeah. Us. Yes.
1: Yes. What do you think yeah, about for- that? <laughs> yeah, for sure. One of the places I land um, when I first landed in Japan was Western Japan, the island of Kyushu, and that's uh, extremely uh, actively volcanic. Has, and Nagasaki Prefecture has uh, um, one that erupted uh, called Unzen, uh, and that's that was featured in Werner Herzog's uh, Netflix documentary. Um, uh, that was an amazing one. I forget the uh, name of that one, but that came out two years ago, two or three years ago. Amazing filming. And uh, the two volcanic premier re- researchers, the couple uh, passed in that one. They got too close to the flow. And um, they were so they were a part of the um, uh, maybe 16 people or so that pa- that were uh, uh, victimized in that ex- um, eruption. And then uh, also the um, Aso, uh, the, uh, the largest caldera on earth is the Aso-Kuju National Park. That's, in, that's also in the center of the island of Kyushu um and uh also we've got the one that most people in the west know uh Sakurajima. that was the one in about 2011 where you had the the, the video from the japanese government where a lot of the ships were coming in and out yes um yeah so that we we spent a lot of time down there and um it's right next to the city so just the power it's, it's we, i felt it going yeah, the power increasing over the years and um yeah so it's uh <clears throat> we've had a lot of um uh experience with that for sure the the big one that tied into that was that um uh, I had a premonition of the uh, Kumamoto earthquake. You know the the second largest earthquake after three eleven Fukushima was the um, Kumamoto earthquake in twenty sixteen I believe uh, twenty sixteen or seventeen and um, that one was um uh, uh we had a lot of ships and activity before the earthquake um, in that Aso National Park uh, tons of ground lights that were coming up from in the inside of the uh, earth. And, uh, what I got, what we gather was that they were preparing and kind of holding down the earthquake for the right time. And actually scientists were baffled because the way the ground slid and it created these waves in directions that were totally different from the actual, um, quake itself. So, uh, there were some scientific anomalies there too. So, um, we, we, we definitely get to the fact that the ships are not only in, inside the earth but they're also um helping you know with the controlling the flow of magma and and uh you know um you know holding down
0: in, uh calamity so that's not too damaging damn so um th- <laughs> in in that case then it would seem like they that they care and that they want you know to minimize i don't know disaster if they can but it also seems like if they're able to do that they should you know one might argue that they could have avert any disaster you know and why let them happen right. in the first place you know how do they pick and choose
1: Yeah, that's a good point um that's a good point uh, so i mean um that that most of it is on a global scale a tectonic level uh as far as the whole earth you know not only protecting humans but it's uh it's it's just uh, helping it's helping the earth in her process of her evolution um but then on the other hand you know the people have just uh um people have um wondered like why didn't they step in on hiroshima and nagasaki and things like that uh right now though we have one situation where uh, i don't know if you're aware that tokyo is overdue for a a 10 magnitude 10 class quake um and tokyo is the largest uh populated city on earth so that is one that we're definitely getting the message that they're holding back on um i've moved back to tokyo from western japan in the last couple years and really felt the the taste of the earthquakes here Um, they've been on an uptick lately and so the topic is always in the people in the back of people might of people minds here um mount fuji eruption and the, the the big one in tokyo the big earthquake in tokyo so those are two that are definitely not going to happen we've got we've gotten a, a very very strong message and um uh it's obvious that most of the quakes in in the last couple of years have been in the middle of the night where all the trains are stopped people
0: are at their calm you know the, the society is asleep so um Kind of like it has to release, but they can control the release to yes. where it does minimal effect. Yep. Yes, That's exactly.
1: And they spread them out in the very general vicinity. So, yeah, th- this weekend, uh, I'm actually going up to Fukushima to uh, interview the the uh, new UFO Research Museum, the, the owner of that. And and so, you know, we've got that whole Fukushima-Tokyo connection. So the fact that the huge earthquake occurred in Fukushima was actually a blessing compared to how much damage it would have caused If it had been in Tokyo, because if you look at the historical record, the Tokyo major Tokyo earthquakes have been right in the city. I mean, they're right in the city. I'm talking like if it was Manhattan Times Square style, you know, direct hit. So that would cause such chaos and damage. The the country would basically stop and the amount of um, collateral damage would just really be uncalculable. So that's when we've gotten the message that they're definitely not going to let happen. Um, So, yeah. They, they've got news shows and CG, they've done all sorts of CGI and they, they've, been, they've made anime movies about it, like, you know, because it's never been this populated and there's never been this many high rise buildings in, uh, you know, with it, during the time that there's been a large earthquake in Tokyo. So no one knows how bad it would really be. And then, of course, the tsunami risk and all that stuff. So, yeah, we, you know, so that's one thing that we've gotten a clear message from the, the guides that they're not going to let um, that they're not going to let that timeline uh, manifest.
0: You know that's interesting, but again, it it says okay. Well, then the things that did happen had to have happened, like Fukushima, like the Nagasaki and Hiroshima bombs, um, because they, I guess, essentially let those things happen.
1: Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. Well, there there's sort of like a ratio of how much life would actually be affected or damaged. I mean, it's hard it's hard to imagine from our point of view, but uh, like to 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 put a quality marker on that as far as numbers go. But um, yeah, uh, I wouldn't say that anything like that for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, they have their reasons, and and in the total uh, in the total ascension uh, in the total uh, you know ascension drama here that uh, there's a, all these pieces have a, a role to play you know so those are things we'll we'll all figure out once we get to the other side
0: I guess yeah. Yeah. And philosophically, that's one of the tough ones, because when you think of this, then you think of, okay, well, they um, have like a chrono visor, you know, and we have all these like project looking glass and all that awesome stuff about being able to see or travel into the future or whatever past or see the past at least. So if they have something like this and the technology to be able to manipulate it, then perhaps they can you know, extrapolate out out of time. Okay, well, if this Fukushima thing happens, this is how much damage will be caused over how much time and people and whatever. But if it doesn't occur... Then this happens, and it's like way worse, dude. So we're just going to let yeah, this thing yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah
1: so timeline. yep.
0: Yeah, it is. And so that's kind of one of the things with like the hard questions, like Hitler. Like, why didn't they just stop Hitler? You know, if you can time travel, why did not you stop Hitler? And the the answer is, if time travel is real and you can do it, then whatever you stopped by letting Hitler continue to be Hitler uh, and then stopping him when he did whatever he did was far worse than whatever Hitler yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. It's that yeah. weird thing. You just don't know, you know?
1: Yeah, they, they, that's what a lot of... That's really getting into the ET perspective where they, they're they checking out different timelines and and potentials. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I just yeah, wanna, that's
0: interesting. I, I want to ask then, uh, do you think that they're just messing with stuff and that if they just left things alone, you know, and life would progress in a certain way, cataclysms would come, cataclysms would go and then just, you know, quit messing with it. You know, everybody makes <laughs> fun of... I never, I never watched it, but the Flash show on uh, TV, I think WB or something like that, they had the Flash... But, um, he kept going back in time and changing stuff. And the whole series is basically like all the seasons are him fixing what he screwed up in time. by screwing <laughs> yeah, with time. What, <laughs> so yeah. is this something that we're, that the ETs are doing? They're kind of scrambling around these grays, just bumping into each other. Like, Oh, we shifted timelines again.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, well, first off, I wanted to just say that, um, i worked quite a, uh, you know, I worked, uh, I often talk about that in, in my Japanese lessons and stuff and, and, uh, offer that perspective because, uh, people have a tendency to, um, to, uh, especially now with the whole, um, underground base wars and that, that all that stuff, they, the people always have a tendency to, to now spin things into conspiracy. And, and, uh, we have this amazing, we have amazing video proof, uh, from the, from that Kumamoto area. You know, that was something that I experienced directly. Um, and, and we had a whole lead up to that earthquake and, and, um, and people will simply fall into the, uh, oh, there was a high radiation level at the at the military base there in the days before. So this was a man-made earthquake, you know? So the man-made earthquake theory is, takes precedence. And then I, I've been trying to um, uh, show people, well, look, there's a larger picture, there's a larger piece to this. Yeah, so um, I think you could say, like there's a, a lot of maybe time timeline struggle, timeline wars, you know? So uh, different uh, agendas are, are involved. So, um, yeah, I mean, World War Two is a huge one where um, not so friendly uh, you know maybe i would say not not so friendly to human humanity agendas you know came about came about uh, there and, and so people like uh hitler and even the japanese were used as puppets um uh so that that's a whole other story but yeah yeah uh, yeah um, but yeah so the uh what i find is yeah so the um yeah the the, what is it the it's like a, a tree branch where we have that main timeline and then there's all these other ones that branch off so um you know the the possibilities are infinite but there's also higher probability so they, they they are able to cal- calculate which ones are going to be most prob- probable. And now we're getting into the fact that, you know, we can change our timeline ourselves. So we're actually we're able to override timelines. So the more humanity wakes up and, and it, it takes part with the support, takes, you know, active, uh, uh, takes active part in the support that's being offered, um, we're able to continually raise that main timeline. Yeah, so that's uh, that's another one we get as far as a message.
0: What do you think about a wild card theory? Because I was talking to somebody about this. I forget it escapes me now, but this like wild card theory, to where yes, there is these probabilities, and there's this either or, but there's like a a third dimension to this thing. This these options of of randomness can occur that are considered like a, qu- a quantum like wild card. Sure,
1: of course. See that there's that all obviously like the source field that the
0: you know all we're talking
1: about beings that are in between source uh light source the, the source of everything and us and and they have limited control as well they have uh things that they weren't able to predict and and you know they make mistakes and everything like that so they're they're not perfect either so yeah it's um so they're that these corrections have been you know um corrections have been made on the highest level uh to kind of help us um help turn the tables in our favor i, I that's what i really believe yeah i feel
0: yeah I,
1: I so the wild card is that the sort of uh x factor that that pulses in it's the life force, just the 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 the, time, the course correction from
0: sources uh, on a, from unimaginably high levels. Yeah, yeah, like that weird freak strength or that weird thing to where something falls and somebody can catch it, but it's like so many tons or whatever. These weird anomalies that occur, they could be like fractures of this, you know, expressed in this way. One thing, people, just to touch back on that World War
1: II point, because that gets—I know that gets really taboo. Um, just to, to let people know that you know, there's there's how many different conspiracy theories are, and, and alternative. I like to call it alternative history. But how many different alternative histories are out there? Is that many people in the Japanese spiritual community uh, or researchers here? Uh, several people are open to the idea that the Japanese emperor um, willingly was cooperating with the atomic bomb project or you know with the whole pearl harbor thing and, and the japanese knew that that was going to happen and so there there's so all sorts of theories about how the uh, um it, you know history is not as we know it at all basically so you know they their people here are uh, are have gone beyond the the victim role and uh, kind of they're they're willing to take into the uh, fact um uh, take into account that you know the the uh, the 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 bad guys in world war 2 were also involved in things that they weren't aware of, you know, the, the bad guys and the good guys are, are in, in one story, but then in the, from an interdimensional perspective, it's a whole other story, right?
0: Yeah, it's gotta be, but yeah, uh, they say FDR, nobody wanted to go to war, uh, World War II in the U S. And so they let Pearl Harbor happen is the story as it goes, you know, Australia again, allegedly radioed in and FDR just let it happen. He let it happen yeah, yeah. because he wanted to bring America into the war. Uh, let me ask you a question just real quick and then we'll get back on topic because i'm just curious about this i've never asked anybody that close to japan uh what do the Japanese think of the americans
1: oh uh, yeah i mean we're definitely amazing allies now and yeah i mean they're uh they think we're you know they look up to us as far as the amount of freedom and the freedom of expression and creativity and i think they um you know they it's been a uh it's been a, a kind of a, a strange soul connection where our our post-war interactions you know we uh, has been have been very um, mutually beneficial. So you know, you might say, and and they've they've grown to be a huge world economy. You know, power powerhouse in the in the world economic stage and everything. Um, and then the, their ability to um uh what they call kaizen is like they they're not um they have their Japanese culture and cultural innovations were were really active in the sixteenth uh, and seventeenth eighteenth um, centuries, um, but uh, now they kind of they're they fine tune uh, Western inventions. That's, you know, the obvious as we've seen with electronics and automobiles and things like that. So where the creators and then they ref- they, they refine it. So uh, it's an interesting relationship, like, you know, the, the bicyclist, the bike maker, and then the pro cyclist, you know, it's a, it's a, it's sort of a, a an interesting marriage of, of skills. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, they, they're, uh, as far as the, uh, self-expression, they, they, um, um, I think they, uh, they definitely wish they they could be more open and, and assertive, personally assertive. I think that's on a personal Japanese level. Um, most people uh, hold themselves back. You know, they're very uh, restrained and um, humble is one word, but then restrained is more accurate. I think, you know, they so they, I think um, once they go um, abroad, you know, a different part of them is able to be uh, the beast can roar, you know, a different part of them is able to be expressed. So if yeah, people who have Japanese people who have lived abroad or study abroad, have a much, um, uh, you know, more relaxed take on life. Uh, so, uh, it's, a, it's, uh, a, it's great to see all, all different people from all different walks of life here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They have a broader view of life. So yeah. I'm going to say two words. I'm gonna let you run on it. Okay. Mass yeah. contact.
1: Okay. Wow. There you go. Uh, yeah. So what we've, um, over the last uh, 10 years, you know, with Jay city, our, our main efforts have been with the C five contact movement and, um, doing, uh, direct field work in the, um, you know, in the, in the, in power sites and, and all sorts of places in, in nature in Japan. So we've had, um, you know, over the years, uh, fi- over 6,000 or so, uh, visitors and participants to our events. So, um, I like to say the words mass contact because, you know, um, we're doing that as as a group and, and the, the, the resonance of this field effect of, uh, conscious awakening is the super, um, prevalent here. It's, and, and, um, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, it's mass contact for me means, you know, the, the population here is, um, you know, the the amount of people who can gather under this topic is pretty impressive. So that, that spreads and then they share it with their friends. And so, um, we're going, we're heading towards mass contact globally is what that means for me as well. So, um, you know, the Japan here is, is for me in a a way, a template for what can be possible in, in other countries and and coming out, you know, it's, it only takes a, a, a few seconds, you know, of a sighting or a, it only takes a few seconds of interacting with this, you know, interdimensional ET phenomenon to, to really deeply awaken and, and um, uh,
0: you know, realize what's at stake as well. Awesome, man. Great. Again, well articulated. Uh, Thank you. Me, yeah. I, I am curious to say, I, I know that you have uh, had contact, you have intuitions on this. Do you think that you have it pretty figured out as far as what the extraterrestrial phenomena is?
1: Uh, let me continue that's your question actually pulled the second piece is going gonna to come in. Uh, so what I'm saying, what I was going to say is a uh, mass content. The other part of it is that it's, it's not a personal thing, you know, because uh, for me, you know um, you know, a lot of times we hear what we've heard in this uh, ET UFO realm is a lot of personal experience. Right. And, and, and that's been great up until now, but honestly, a lot of times it's, it's, it just hits you as really, it's from an energetic level. It's, it's really oppressive. I find when you really start to, um, and and uh, a lot of people give their power away, away to experiencers or, or people with actually no no proof at all. So mass contact for me is um it's not my personal thing. It's it's the the really powerful experience is the is the shared experience. So um, I kind of cringe when people really miss that point. And 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 so we're saying the contact. You know what I want to say is the contact we're providing or this this uh, open group contact is and what that provides is, a, is an out. It's an exit to the kind of feedback loop that we've had where, you know, I've had this experience. Hey, believe me, you know, or I've had this experience. So you should base your entire cosmology on my experience, which is just insane. You know, so um,
0: uh, what would I repeat your question again? Sorry. Oh, actually, I wanted to ask you one more thing on this. Apologies. Uh, With these mass contact events and with having everyone in the same mental space at the same time it kind of reminds me of an ayahuasca ceremony you are visited by something that is there to change your life you do it in a group setting you mentally focus in on an intention and then you are changed in a way and usually it happens very personally it's very personal experience i don't experience the same thing as the guy next to me or girl next to me whatever so do you compare the two do you think that they're fairly similar
1: Yes, definitely yeah i know what you mean yeah, yeah it's just an interesting paradox like we have the group field um the group energy and there's a group consciousness but then also that 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 drills down into a personal experience as well so it's it's a it's an amazing kind of um p- paradox there um yeah and then um uh as far as um but then at the same time uh maybe, maybe something like ayahuasca is more of a subjective more of a subjectively based one whereas our goal in the et context is is actually more of an objective um uh, you know, both are important, but at, at first, I think the objective um, element of, of a ship appearing and the five cents level, that's a really um, breakthrough experience because whether it be a shamanic experience or a, um, a visionary experience or a channeling message or a, a dream contact, a lot of that subjective, um, uh, you know, we might be able to, to be, um, we might be able to be assured and, and and sure of it ourselves, but it's hard to share that with others, right? So, the objective um, experience is amazing and, and unique because it's, it's undeniable and it's, it's five cents. It's provable. We can film it. And uh, that can be shared with others. So um, yeah, I think both are super important and, and, uh, and uh, the, the actual objective and subjective uh, they're tied together in an infinite. We've we got a symbol um, two years ago, the infinity mark, because even with CE five, it's, it's the internal meditation and and uh, remote viewing and the, the protocols um, involve deep introspection, and then that, and env- then it ends up um, translating in uh, externally visible phenomenon, um, whether that be you know transceivers and walkie-talkies bleeping, and then the, the you know ships that appear in the sky visually. Um, so it's a what we got this amazing message from uh, uh, during a contact event uh, over a long weekend was that um the the infinite mark, you know the the figure eight, the maybe a mark is the infinite connection of the internal world and the external world.
0: Yeah. The as above, so below thing, like the Taurus field. Yeah. Yeah. They're threaded together. Yeah. Man, this kind of, and this man, when you get philosophical with this stuff, and I love talking about this, you talk about how like the earth is actually this Taurus field, right? It's not round. It's not flat. It's not any of that. From your perception, it's whatever you want, but it constantly recycles in on itself to sp- and then carrying the energy back into itself and then back in to create itself anew. And I love this kind of concept, man, this type of stuff. And especially when you think of this as like a fractal universe where let's say that it, that. The concept of like a hollow earth okay so you have a ball there's it's hollow on the middle of that but what if even that there's another we're on the inside of something else like a hollow earth and then they're on the inside of something else and so it's this fractal thing but where it gets even trippier is if each of those dimensions is the same thing it's just different things going on in them like this infinite out but it's just you the whole damn time right. You're just looking at like the back of your head looking out at you
1: yeah it's crazy yeah it's wild
0: Yeah. um, No. So I I wanted to ask those because you have had contact and and you've got an intuitive contact. Do you think that you have a handle on kind of what this thing is? You, you know, as much as you could, do you think you have a pretty good line on, okay, I know it's not this, it's probably more likely that.
1: Uh, yeah, definitely. You know, that's been a very slow, I've been really severe. My, my kind of process of self-checking and self-doubt has been really intense. I, I definitely never wanted to ever, uh, you know, share anything that I didn't experience personally, or wasn't really, really sure of. So everything I talk about is based on experience and, and has been checked and double checked, triple checked. So, and and the fact that we're our research is, is, um, is through these events where other people are there. So it's just not my personal subjective, um, experience only, you know, so, uh, but, but through that, you know, we've had the repeatability, you know, and the, um, repeatable cycles of how, uh, you know, these sort of missions come in and, and uh, projects for each year, uh, you know, the, diff- the different things we've been asked to do and been guided to do. Um, yes. Yeah, so I get the, you know, in the end is that after the first couple of years of this contact work, I really got the different message and was sure that we we're, uh, this is part of this larger quote unquote ascension process. And um, you know, Japan is playing a big role in that. So um, we've been, it's, it's been a full on sur- since we've started. So um you know uh even during the lockdowns and on the last couple of years we've been doing all this media tv appearances and and it's it's been really chock-a-block um yeah so but i i think that um uh the you know japan's been playing a role in that energetically big time and and so um it's exciting to be on the on the the front edge of this uh, i call it the front end lines of ascension yeah so i um, agree yeah. yeah so but yeah basically um yeah shows like yours are right there and and uh and you know i think um you know we're really transitioning into this mass awakening so uh, all the pieces and all the keywords we've known up until now uh have been kind of making this creating a stage for the actual real performance to occur on so now we're where all the stars are aligning and the and you know the spotlights are on so now it's going to be really i think from 2022 on it's going to be even more amazing. Man, you get
0: me fired up, dude. I I, <laughs> I share your enthusiasm and your, your optimism. I'm a chronic optimist on this as well. And so I, I, again, share the hell out of this with you. I think we're just getting started. And if you look at this like a play, like Dolores Cannon's, um, and this idea has been around for a long time, like this is a play and we're just actors, but waking up is you realizing you're the actor, not the character you've been playing. And everybody else is playing these characters. A lot of people are, but that's what this is. And it's like, this has just been a practice. They're like, okay, wake up everybody. That's what the awakening is. All right, now- take what you've learned so far and we're going to move into this next thing and go. And it just like starts now. So I'm with you on this. i again, man, you get me fired up, Greg. I love yeah, this.
1: yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of doom and gloom out there and, and you know, people uh, as they wake up, uh, you know, there's a lot of traps um, uh, and, and kind of dead ends and all that stuff. So it's, it's, uh, um, you know, really staying centered and grounded and, and uh, true to your own signal. Like I like to call it the home tone, you know, a, you know, true, true to your own, your own source of, uh, life force and your own sorts of inspiration. Uh, so for me, that's what, you know, music has always been, um, an an unwavering, you know, sorts of a beacon for me, you know, over the years too. So yeah, people should, um, stay tuned to their own, the sound, the music of their own spirit and, and don't get swayed by the, you know, the, the kind of, um, intense media, uh, barrage and, and the weaponization of a lot of these agendas has been just mind blowing the last couple of years. So,
0: uh, trying to avoid those, the pitfalls as is, is, uh as is another part of this as well yeah et home tone i love it um, <laughs> yeah. you know that's a mandela effect have you heard that yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Which, which one do you remember the
1: mandela which one uh, the home tone
0: yeah uh, et did he say uh et phone home or et home phone et phone home right yeah Never happened. You're from my dimension. Good deal.
1: All yeah, right. uh, I had a I had a woman who had one of those speaking spells. Um, and the guides would use it. Her guides would use that to communicate with her. So even with the power off, um, I had a video of it. Um, she would ask it a question, and they would answer. And we would beep and in
0: response, it was amazing. <laughs> God, that's cool. How yeah. cool is that? Uh, speak and spell, that's amazing. All right, I like the medium. That's fun. Rather than like a Casio or something like that, or Bumblebee, yeah, right? yeah. the transformer You speaks through the radio, I dig it. Yes. <laughs> all right, well, before I turn you loose, man, and this has been amazing, all the ways, of course, to find you will be located down in the show notes, guys. So make Thank sure you. that you check him out. Of course, dude, you're welcome any damn time. Uh, let's just touch on a little bit of Japan's esoteric hidden history.
1: Yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, that's a whole other topic we'd love to get into next time. Uh, yeah. So we've got uh, you know a lot of um, the language barrier is so intense here. And uh, what I found was that, um, you know, when uh, 2012 was happening, uh, the Japanese um, were really talking a lot about um, this uh, uh, esoteric uh, tradition or a series of automatic writings that were re- that was received by a Shinto priest in the late uh 40s early 50s called uh hifumi shinji hifumi which is the uh, one two three um writings it's called and um and they were talking about you know they he predicted the 311 earthquake kind of thing and and uh this sort of mass spiritual awakening and all that stuff so um not quite end times you might but he he was uh talking about things that are way way beyond the spectrum of what he, what he would have been able to access at the time so um uh, people refer to that as a uh, one of these sort of like esoteric Japanese traditions that ties into the current situation, um, and then also uh, we've had a lot of the uh, petroglyph researchers and, and uh, ancient cultures and, and sort of ancient relics here um, that are that have been um, once the emperor imperial system was established, were really kind of like uh, you know boycotted, and so those um, ancient writing scripts and uh, some of them are called Katakamna, and uh, their systems of writings and symbols, like basically Japanese hieroglyphs. Cool. So, those are like pre Egyptian, you know, pre, I mean, perhaps even pre Sumerian. Um, so, we, there's uh, a lot of researchers here uh, working with those texts and everything. So, I, I hope to be able to share those with the English
0: speaking world in the future. Yeah. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, just translate that out for us, brother. We'd really appreciate that. That's awesome, man. Um, yeah. <clears throat> well, of course, Greg. Thank you so much, dude. We will have you back on to do the Japanese hidden esoteric history. I can't wait for that one. I've got a couple buddies actually. We'll do we'll do a group chat on that. That'll be cool. Yes. Right, well, Definitely, Brendan. Thank you so much. It was a really fun today. So- yeah absolutely I was just going to say all the ways to find him guys of course located down in the show notes Greg Sullivan thank you so much for your time brother come back anytime you have a home here anytime you want it man
1: thanks a lot it was great to be expanding reality with you it's awesome thanks Brent thanks so much let's see let's do it again soon
0: just an absolutely fascinating guy. Uh, One of the best resources that we have when it comes to things like this, and he covers the gamut, which I love. He's just got a vast perception on this thing, which is I think necessary, and that is what's going to take us into this next level. So Greg Sullivan, all the ways to find him, guys, are located down in the show notes. Make sure that you check him out. Also down there is going to be our affiliate links, Food Forest Abundance, Get Your Freedom From Fear on. Uh, If you want to start your podcast, you might as well start out with two months free. Use who I host through, which is Libsyn. That link is down there as well. If you were going to buy any damn thing at all on Amazon, go ahead and feed that beast through our link. It helps the show. It is down there. Also, a resource link for you guys to check out if you've had any paranormal encounters, any abduction type phenomena, anything strange that you think that you just want to talk to and report and maybe get with a community on. Check out the resource link Opus, which is the Organization for Paranormal Understanding and Support. Check that thing out, guys. Absolutely amazing. Also, if you guys want to expand your experience with us here on the show, you can do so at expandingrealitypodcast.com. That's going to be links for all the socials, merchandise is over there. Uh, We do the live replays over there if you don't catch them live. Also, you can become an expansive insider. It's a great way to support the show, uh, and that's how you do that. So let's go out into this amazing world, guys, collectively, and let's just all pledge to each other that the next time that we're faced with anything in life, good, bad, whatever, however you want to perceive it, you take it as an opportunity to be a greater, grander version of yourself every time and just watch the magic happen while you're doing all that of course pick up a piece of litter if you don't mind Uh, buy somebody around a coffee or a meal in line around you something like that something small but it goes a long way right Uh, also get out of the left-hand lane Uh, it's a big pain in the ass for you driving in the left-hand lane you got somebody behind you wanting to pass so just move on over that helps with the vibe of course out of everything else guys go out into this beautiful place whatever the hell this thing is and y'all just be good to one another Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next time. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand.